Tov. Today's doc is Kufhei, 105, and we pick up about eight lines from the top on the two dots. So this is if a person has this obligation, if he uh, steals and swears falsely, I mean, if he steals, he has to return it, but if he swears falsely, he has this more uh, sort of compelling obligation to chase after the guy and find him wherever he is and return it. Um, but the Mishnah said that obligation would no longer exist once the principal had gotten to be less than a pruta. Okay, so the Gemara is going to explore this idea of the mitzvah hashava in where the principal is less than a pruta, but maybe there still could be some obligation to return it. Okay, so let's take a look. Amar Papa said Rav Papa, lo shanu that idea that you don't have any obligation, and this is to run after the guy, remember, is if the physical object is no longer present, and it's just a monetary obligation. A monetary obligation less than a pruta is not really a monetary obligation. That, means uh, that was stolen was already less than a pruta to begin with? No, it was that, that doesn't matter. It could be that you stole uh, a, a basket of apples, you returned all of them, and you had left one in your house, and that remaining apple is less than a pruta. Okay, so the original xela was worth a pruta, but now... Um, or it could be the original Zela was less than a pruta. It's true. It could be either. Maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself and thinking about the next case in the Gemara. So whether what's left is less than a pruta or whether the whole Zela was less than a pruta, he doesn't have this obligation to run after the guy, but that's only if the physical object isn't al- around. Our Zela Kayemes, if the physical object is still around, Sarich Lele Chachrav. Not just you have to return it, but you have to chase after him. Why? Chayshin and Shematiyakir were concerned. Now, I might have said because it's his object. You know, it doesn't matter more than a pruta, less than a pruta. It might be it doesn't have any dollar value, but physically, that's my object. Now, that would be true. That would mean why you can't hold it to yourself, right? If Michael is holding on to, I don't know, my paper clip, he can't say, it's less than a pruta, make me give it to you. I mean, it's my paper clip, you know? So, I'm entitled for it. Now, maybe Bayston would not hear the case. Bayston wouldn't hear a case less than a pruta. But I still have a right to demand it from Michael. Okay, so that's, uh, so you don't need to say that its value might go up. But if I'm here and I want it back. The issue is, does Michael have a need to run after me and to take the one train and spend three and a half dollars or however much it is on the one train now to return to me my paperclip, okay, which is less than a pruta. So the answer, first answer is yes. Why? Because, who knows, the value of paperclips might go up. And because it might be worth it, now that's a little strange. Wait till it's a value to go up and then you'll run after me. Okay, but that's the initial response. Um, Ikadami, others say, Amara Papa, it doesn't matter if the Gzela is around or if it's not around, even if he's holding on to the paperclip. He does not have to run after me. Again, if it's still there and I'm around, I can demand it back. Whether the court will hear the case is a different issue. But does he have to run after me? No. He doesn't have to run after me if it's less than a pruta, even if it's still around. We're not concerned ahead of time, maybe the value will go up. If the value goes up, then let him run after me at that stage. Yes. You've already alluded to this, I think. There's something fundamentally wrong here. In other words, the court won't hear it because it's not worth their time. Right. And you don't have to run after him because it's not Shava Pruta. Right. But fundamentally, it's not yours. Right. Come on, I want right. right. He doesn't have a moral right to keep it. He does not have a, he does not have a moral right to keep it. That is correct. And right. So, so, like, that's absent. The only thing bothering me, that's absent. Right. The Gemara doesn't make that explicit. Right. That's true. The Gemara should be making that explicit. Why doesn't the do that? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Look, there's another interesting question also, which is, if somebody steals less than a pruta, are they over, are they over, are they over Lotigso? You know, the Rambam interestingly says that, if I'm remembering this correctly, that if you, if you wound somebody, you're over on a lav, right? The lav is, um, is, uh, Lo Yosif Lakoto, or, But you don't do get Malkus for it because it's Nitin Lutashlumin. Right, you, add, you 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 compensate the person, but the Raman says, but if you wound a person less than a shvei pruta, you do get malchus because there's no compensation, and then you get malchus for transgressing the law. Ironically, even though the injury was less, but the Raman never says that if you steal less than a pruta, you get malchus. Okay, now that's, that's when you know the Ramabal was destroyed based on. Oh, uh, there you go. So anyway, but presumably, if there's a difference, that a wound is an objective 
problem, no matter how much the value is, we're stealing less than a prut. It's not like you really stole money. Okay, so it's fun. so that's an interesting question. Is it even considered like you're over on Lotigzel or not? But yes, you are right. That I mean, I do, if, if you have my object, I have a right to get it back. But the, but, uh, and, the, and the Gemara is that, right, I mean, the, no recourse, and the Gemara isn't even addressing that, res- that basic right that I have, whether I have recourse or not. That is correct. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. You say, but anyway, but if it's, but he certainly does not have to run after me if it's less than a prut, and we're not concerned the value will go up. I'm a Rava, says Rava. Gavo Shalosh Agudot. Somebody stole three bunches, bunches of, I don't know, of carrots or whatever they stole, three bunches of parsley. Okay? Bishlosh um, Prutot. And each bunch of parsley was worth a pruta. Um, and now the three bunches are worth two prutas. So each, each bunch of barley is worth less than a pruta. Okay, but when I stole it, I stole three prutas. Now, also, let's imagine, let's say, I, all the barley was lost. All the barley, let's say, barley, parsley. All the parsley was lost. How much do I owe Michael, who I stole it from before Michael was the Gaza, now I'm the Gaza, and I forget which way it worked. Anyway, how much do I owe Michael that I stole from? I owe three prutas, right? It doesn't matter that when they got lost, they were only worth two. Okay. So, but if they're around, I have to, I give them back the bunches of parsley. All right, that, that are now with combined two prutas. Okay. Now I return to Michael two bunches of barley. So this third bunch is worth two-thirds of a pruta. Right? Everybody with me? Right now. Okay. So, I still have to give them the last bunch. Now again, I, I, he has a right to demand it back whether I, you know, regardless, it's his, but the Chayv Lahachzir presumably means I have to run after him, I have to find him, I have a legal, you know, it's more than just a moral obligation, a legal obligation, I have to give him the last one. Okay, even though it's less than a pruta. Now, part of the, to some degree, that's not such a Chiddush, because, well, let's take a look. The Tanatuna, and we taught our Mishnah similarly, if I stole Chabot, and now it was worth $100, and now it's been Pesach, and it's worth zero, I can give Michael back the Chabot and say, here, take your Chabot back. Okay, that seems like it gets me off the hook. How is that relevant for our discussion here? We're speaking about my obligation to return this bunch of bar- uh, parsley. So the Gemara says the following, Taima to Isa Be'ene. The re- reason I'm able to give Michael back the Chametz, which is worth zero, and get off my $100 debt, is because it's still present. Halese Be'ene, if it's not present, Avagav Dehatzalav Mamona, even though right now, okay, here, here, here's the point. I can give you something that's worth zero, and be exempt. But if that thing isn't around, I owe him a hundred dollars. Okay? What it was worth. What it was worth. Mamona have by Okay, I would have to pay him a hundred dollars if it weren't around. But now that it's around, even though it's worth zero, I have to give it back to him. Okay? Hachanami Avagav Pruta. Here this bunch of Bali isn't worth a pruta. Kivan the Mekar have a pruta, since it originally was worth a pruta, by Shlume I have to give it to him. So, the analogy is the following, okay? By the chametz, I owe Michael... Now, you, what you really could say is, is that if I stole $100 worth of chametz from Michael, I owe him $100, and the, giving him the chametz is way off the hook. But why do we look at it that way? Fundamentally, it's his chametz, okay? So, I here have Michael's chametz, right? I don't owe him $100 yet. It starts with the fact that I have his object. His object is worth now $0, okay? Do I have a chiv to return his object? Yes. Now, why do I have a chiv to return this object? Probably the reason is, because if I don't return the object, I got a chiv to pay him $100. Okay, so I did an act of gzela that was a gzela of money. It was worth more than a pruta. And that is compelling me to return this object. Either return this object or pay him for the value that you stole. Similarly here, the bunches of barley, because initially this one bunch was worth a pruta, Okay, I now have it. It's worth less than a pruta. Why have to return it? It's less than a pruta. It doesn't matter. You stole from him and you did an act of zela. It was worth a pruta. That is compelling you to make restitution. So that restitution has to take place in one of two forms. Either give him back the object or give him the pruta. Okay? So in a way, you know, if you emphasize the obligation, it's like, wait, what has this one with a chametz? But look at it in the same way as chametz. Okay, I stole a, a pruta's worth of parsley. So 
I can say and give him back the half fruta worth because that's what it's worth right now and if I don't want to do that then I have to pay him for the pruta okay so because the original gzela thank you so much because the original gzela what I got there is old so thank you <laughs> because the original gzela was a real gzela's mamon was a pruta that obligates me to make restitution either to pay the, the initial value or to return the object as it is now regardless of what it's worth yes Yes, if you're not returning the object itself. The yes, if you're returning the object itself, then you don't. That's the Haresh Chalafanecha discussion. Yeah, I feel that. Right, 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 right. Yes, once again. But yes, but, we've, but this is but we've seen this unfairness before. So yeah, yes, but that is correct. Okay, so that's point number one. There's cases where you have to return less than a pruta when you stole more than a pruta or a pruta's worth and this object is the original object that you stole. Well, a okay. Is analogous to Huzlu. Huzlu, exactly. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Okay, fine. Yeah, now, keep in the Now, Rav asks the final question. Gazel Shte Agudot, the Pruta. I originally stole two bunches of, bar, of I keep saying parsley. I'll have to do something else. I'll say carrots. Won't make me slip up. But if you steal two bunches of carrots, okay, the Pruta, and they were worth a Pruta combined. And then I returned to Michael one of them. So now, uh, the initial gzela was a, pruta, was a pruta's worth. Does that mandate that I return this remaining bunch of bar, of, of, of carrots? Right, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Does it demand that I return it? Now, again, what's missing from this Gemara, and I keep on inserting, and maybe somebody disagrees with that, is that whether I have a chiv to return it or not, and whether the court will listen to it or not, you know, I, obviously it's Michael's carrots and uh, I shouldn't be holding on to them. But the question still is, right, how much does that create this sort of, you know, legal obligation for me to return it? Um, that they're mitzaret, right? In other words, you could say, I didn't steal a Shavapruta. Well, that, well so, right, at the time, no, right. Obviously at the time you stole a Shavapruta, but the question here is, my... Even at the time, the remaining bunch of carrots was worth less than a pruta. So as opposed to before, when originally the bunch of carrots was worth a pruta, now it's less. But the fact that I stole this bunch of carrots, which was originally worth a pruta, compels me to make compensation, either by ca- giving the pruta or giving the carrots. Here, originally the whole act was a shavar pruta, but I returned half of it. What's left was never a shavar pruta. Am I compelled to return it to Michael because it was part of an initial gzela that was a shavapruta? Or do I say because this piece of it was never a shavapruta, there's nothing that compels me to return this object? Okay, that's the question. Because um, it's two separate objects? Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, if you saw a bar of gold, I'm not going to say like that little left, right, you know. Well, that's that would be an interesting variation of Rava. Let's say I stole one carrot and I broke it in half. Right, and the carrot was with the proof, and I turned you half. Right? Would that be different? Okay, that's a second level question. Let's first see his question when they were separate objects when I stole it. Okay? So do we say like this? Do we say, Now, what's left in my hand is no longer considered a gzela, at least in terms of like, there was no, it, did never, it did not have a minimum, minimum dollar value to it, ever. Even when it initially was stolen. So there's nothing that compels me to return it. Or do we say, Hello, Hutter. I did return gzela to Habikabe. I did not fully return what I stole. I stole two bunches. And I, or two carrots, I'd say, and I only returned one. So maybe the fact that initially I stole, I haven't finished my obligation of returning. I only returned half, even though what's left with me is not worth a pruta. Okay? So Hutter Pashte, then he in the end uh, uh, sort of came to a conclusion, sort of, uh, which was saying, Gzela Enkan Hashava Enkan. There is no lost, I, I lost object, in, uh, stolen object in my hands, it's no longer worth a pruta, so there's no Hashava. Now, what does that mean? It could, you, I, the simple sense of that, I think, means therefore I have no obligation, remaining obligation to return it. Okay, but the Gemara understands that differently. The Gemara understands there's no gzela and therefore I haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of hashava. So, you know... It's the same as the who's who case. What? Well, let's take a look. He kept one behind. He right. He returned two out of three. Right. Exactly it's not the exact same thing because his, this part was never worth a shavar pruta. Neither was the one that he held. held no, that, in the earlier case when it was originally stolen, it was worth a shavar pruta. 
Right? The original case is I oh, stole. Three putos, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, okay. okay. So it might as well take this. One minute. If this remaining carrot in my hand is not considered to be any more a stolen object or have enough value for us to be care, care about it, then it should mean that I fulfill my obligation of Ashava because if there's nothing left for me to do, then I'm done. You know, why do you say, how can you say, I don't have anything left and I haven't fulfilled my obligation? So Yeah, we are saying that. Even though you don't have any, uh, any stolen object left, left with you because it's not worth a pruta, mitzvah hashava ain't you, you still haven't really, you know, to, you know, you know uh, exempted yourself. You have not really fulfilled the mitzvah of returning. So this, in a way, like, like strikes that middle sort of, be, you know, place. It's basically saying, on the one hand, what you have left is less than a, a shava pruta. Okay? Um, um, uh, you know, but, uh, but, but nevertheless, you know, you have less than a shava pruta, and we can't sort of mandate you to return it. But, you should. but on the other hand, you haven't really fully fulfilled the obligation of a shava of exela, because you didn't fully return everything that you stole. Okay, so it's sort of trying to strike this middle place. Um, let me just see something, and last you hold on a minute. Yeah. Um, Tosafot sort of deals with it, right? He says, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. On the one hand, you didn't like have no legal obligation left. On the other hand, you didn't fulfill your mitzvah shava. Right. All right. So let's take a look. The Gemara's going to have another similar case. Maybe it'll help us understand this. Maybe not. Um, parallel. Have nothing to do with kezela. The Amar Rava, Rava says, Hare Amru, they said, Nazir Shagilach, Vishir Shkesa Arot. So at the end of the Naziris, there's a mitzvah to shave off all the hair of the head. So let's say he shaved off all the hair, or all the hair of his body, whatever, anyway, but, um, but let's say he shaved off all the hair, uh, but he left two hairs left. No loss of a little club. That's not shaving off all the hair. Okay, one hair is negligible. Like, one hair is like less than a pruta. Two heirs is a pruta. Two heirs means that something substan- substantive, it's okay, and therefore you have not finished shaving all the hair. Okay, so boy, Rav. So now Rav asks the following question. Gilach achas. Now you left two hairs over from shaving this nausea. And then you went back and you shaved one of the two hairs. The nishra achas. And the other one fell off. Mahu. Do, did you fulfill your mitzvah of giluach? Okay. So Amalei Ravach HaMidifti. So Ravach HaMidifti said, Ravina... So Ravina, the Rav, I don't see Rav's question. Is Rav's question like, let's say I shave by cutting each hair individually. You know, it's like the old joke. You know, it says I just got a haircut. I hope we got more than one. So anyway, so you know, so if you're, so if you're if you're shaving and you're cutting each hair individually, nobody thinks that's not considered giluach. That with every cut, you have to cut two hairs, right? You can cut an individual hair one at a time. So if that's true, if this guy has two hairs left. And you cut one of them. So why so, do you say that? Listen, listen. So therefore, since everybody would agree that you can cut each hair individually as you're shaving off the hair of the nausea, so I shaved off every single hair of his, you know, 10,000 hairs, and I left one, two, and then I went back and I cut one of the two. So that's like two states, like cutting each one individually. I cut a thousand, and then I cut one. So that should combine. The same way if I cut each one individually, it combines. So now I've cut all of his hairs except one. So that's the mitzvah of giluach. That's the mitzvah of shaving, right? We said if I would have cut all of his hairs except one, I would have been yotze. So what I did is I cut all of his hairs except two, and then I cut one. So fine. At the end of the day, I cut all of his hairs except one. I should be yotze. What's the question? You don't even need the last one to fall off. I would have thought that the question would be he cut everything except for two, and then one fell off. Th- that's going to be the question, but that's not what we said yet. So I'm relay. So he said back to him, no. Lo here's the case. The, the, the order is reversed. He's going to Nasharachas, man, Vigilachachas. You're right. Okay, if you had cut all and left two and then cut one more, you would have cut all except one and you'd be Yotze. But you cut all except two, and then of the remaining two, one fell off. So now, when you're only cutting one, okay, you're not, is it considered an act of Giluach when there's less than two hairs? Two hairs in Giluach is like the Shavapruta in, you know, in, in money. Okay? So cutting off when you start with less than two hairs might not be considered an act of Giluach at all. Okay? So what's the story there? Do we say, now, um, you know, you, there's, you know, there's not a shear. Okay? Um, 
Um, and therefore, you know, since there's not a shear left, you're Yotze the mitzvah of Giluach. Um, or do we say, Halav Giluach Kara? Originally, you didn't do the mitzvah of Giluach. Hashir Sheisharas, because originally you left over two Heyars. The Hashka Kigilach, Sheisharas. And now when you did the, the shaving, there was only one hair left. So you didn't do the Giluach originally. You didn't do an act of Giluach now. It doesn't matter that no hairs are left. You didn't do an act of Giluach. So okay? So Hadar, I don't know what, you'd have to wait for the hair to grow back to go through the whole process. So Tosus also says it could be, according to the way we passed in, Giluach is not Ma'akev. It's sort of like the discussion before. You want Yotze the mitzvah, but it's not necessarily Ma'akev. And if it is Ma'akev, you wait for it to grow back and you do it again. Okay? Hadar Pashka, so then he concluded, Seir Enkan, Giluach Enkan. There's no hair, so there's no Giluach. Okay, similar phrases before. Okay, so what does that mean? Isayer Enkan, if you say it's like there's no hair left, that sounds like there's nothing left to be done, so it sounds like Giluach Yeshkan. Then logically you should say you are Yotze the Mitzvah of Giluach. That's the logical conclusion. Okay, unless you say the even though. But without the even though, if you start by saying, oh, because there's no hair, you're expecting to say, and therefore there's nothing left to be done, you're expecting the end of that sentence to be, therefore you were Yotze. So the Gemara says, no, Hachikama. Although there's nothing left to be done, nothing's of substance, mitzvah giluach enkan, you did not do the mitzvah of giluach because you, at the end, you didn't do an original act of giluach and you didn't do an act of giluach at the end. And that's similar to, now, now we understand that phrasing that works to go back to the Shavah Pruta, even though there's less than a Pruta left and you would think you've done the mitzvah Hashavah, you haven't really done the mitzvah hashava. Now, does that mean that I'm obligated to return it? It doesn't sound that way. It sounds like it's some, um, you know, interesting interim space where you're a little caught in between or whatever. You might have a moral obligation, whatever, but you weren't yotze the mitzvah hashava because na- because you'd not fully return what you stole. It sounds like they're teasing out and alluding very closely to the moral obligation. Right. Although here there's not a moral obligation, right, but yes. By defining the limits of the legal obligations, right. what's left over is the moral obligation. Right. We should do, but we can't constrain you to do it in any in any way. Right, right. That is what it sounds like going back to the Gzela case. That is correct. David, did you want to share something? Oh, I was just going to say there was a disagreement whether he has to let it all go back or not. Oh, go back, uh, yeah. Ramon <laughs> says he doesn't. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, right, so like question like, what do you do when you can't do the mitzvah, right? So what do you do if a Nazir's balls? So you don't have to pay the barber, <laughs> yes. right? He didn't do his job. What? You don't have to pay the barber. There you go. <laughs> well, that's interesting, yeah. The problem is he doesn't have to be able to bring the... Korban? Yeah. Um... It's an interesting question. I mean, there's two parts to that question, sort of like the Giluach question. Can you, if, if you were, if he said he was Nishba, like, so the Gemara, it's the Mishnah started with the case of the Shavar Prutah, the case that the person took a Shavua, and then, you know, the, what type of obligation that creates to run after the guy, and then part of that is bringing a Korban and a Chomesh. You know, when the Gemara got to the question of did you do the Mitzvah Shavar, it doesn't seem like it's talking specifically about the Shavua case. But David is asking, in a case of a Shavua, I took a Shavua to Michael that I didn't steal his two carrots, okay? And then I admitted, you know what I did? And I returned one of the carrots and not the other one. Can I go ahead and I, can I bring my korban? Right? That's sort of so that so that's an interesting question. That's a two part question. One part is is whether the payment of the karen we didn't discuss this whether the payment of the karen has to take place before the korban is brought. Now, actually, the simple sense is that it does because going back to the mission that says I have to run, that I have to run at well, but the question is is the order ma'akeh. The mission that says I have to run after you. Uh, the Gemara didn't say it, but I think both Rashi and Tosu say that. Until I've run after you, I can't bring the Korban. Um, let me just... One minute, one minute, one minute. Anyway, um, anyway, anyway, that's a good question, which Rashi tells you basically... Uh, uh, well, it's like Tosso says it, for example... Um, where's Tosso? Avonosin Lishiach based in... Uh, towards the end of that Tosa says, uh, on Kuf Kimel Amadalev, he says, um, the Mr. Kishitin was Shiach Bastin, uh, the Yeshua Kaparamiyad, Vinkar Kwahamti Nachi Gil Yad Hanigzal. 
it's, it's sort of it suggests the idea that you know you have to wait till the guy gets it before you can continue on and bring your corporate. Anyway, I have to look into that. I don't remember offhand. Okay, so, so number one, number one, that's a good question. Like, do I have to wait till the guy? Do I first have to give back the money before the guy brings the korban? Um, assuming that the answer is yes, then you raise a very good point. Like in this case, and that might be similar to this idea of the Giluch of the Nazir, saying Hashava Ein Khan is making, it's a more weighty statement. It's sort of saying, like, I can't bring my korban, right? You know, Basin might not be able to compel me to, uh, to, to return it because it's less than a pruta, but I still haven't done this mitzvah and maybe I can't proceed to the next stage if it's a case of a shrua. So that's a very interesting read of this Gemara, positioning it within the shrua discussion. I have, to, I have to get back, you know, see about that. Yeah. There's another question. Like, in the case of Ein Gzela Right. You're supposed to return the monetary value. Let's say I just go and buy you the same object. Is that okay? That well, that's a question going back way to the beginning of Babakama, which is, um, like, can you return in Shav of Pesef? But the answer is, it would be okay, but only based on current market values. Right, it would not be okay based on um, you know based on the original value. If you saw something worth from me worth a thousand dollars, and now it's worth five hundred, the market went down. And if it was around, you could return me the object itself. But because it's not around, you owe me a thousand dollars. You can't buy me the object worth five hundred and give it to me. Okay, because you're the exact same thing. Exact doesn't matter. You owe me either the original object itself or a thousand dollars. Okay, so if you want to buy something and give it to me, it would only be based on current market values. All right, so now the Gemara continues. Um, okay, Ve'amar Rava. Now, Rava said, now this is, uh, Tosa says, it sounds similar to the previous cases, but it's really not. It's not like you did half of something, but anyway, well, let's take a look. Rava also says, Hare Amru, they said, So there's a whole question, Rashi Tosa's what this is talking about. I'm going to say Tosa's way. There's a principle of a Mukov Tzamid Patil. Okay, if you have basically a pottery vessel in a, under a roof where there's a dead body, so everything under the roof of the dead body becomes tamay. You have some grain in the pottery vessel. If the pottery vessel is covered with a tight seal, and we're not going to define exactly what defines a tight seal, but a tight seal, then the stuff inside is tahor. Now, let's say there's a hole in this pottery vessel enough for liquid to come out. Then it does not protect what's inside of it. Okay, so you've got this chavit. We, we think of a chavit, we tend to think of like a, a wood cast, but they had pottery casts. You have a pottery cast, okay, and it's got a hole in it, uh, enough for liquid to come out, so it would not save the wine in it, but some of the leaves of the wine that's in this have stopped it up, stopped up that hole, seal, effectively sealed the hole. Okay, so therefore that is considered like the hole doesn't exist, and everything in it does not become tamay. All right, so let's take a look. So, there's a hole in the bucket. Very good. So, by Rava. So, Rava asked, let's say, rather than it being stopped up with lees of the wine, you plastered it over. Let's say you plastered over, okay, um, you know, uh, part of the hole. Okay, only half of the hole. So what's the story? Okay, now Tosa says, like, what does this have to do with the previous discussions? It's not like there's a mitzvah hashava, a mitzvah giluach, or whatever. If the hole now is not big enough to be a problem, it's not big enough to be a problem. Right? Who needs the whole hole to be filled? Okay? The whole, oh, the whole hole. Whatever. Anyway, okay. Um... So anyway, but that's the Gemara's question. How do you get that you plastered it over with? Is it shimarimi kilua? No. So he asked another question. Yeah. This is the halacha. If it's filled with the leaves, it's filled. Right. Forget the leaves. Let's say it's got a hole and you plastered half of it. What's the story? Okay. Amalei Rav Yehim the Ravashi. Lav Mishan Seinu Hizo. Isn't this our mission? None. Chavis Shenikva V'Satmur Shmarim Hitzuluha. If it was, uh, you know, if the leaves have stopped it up, then it saves the stuff inside. Pakakab is mora. If you try to seal the hole with a little twig, then sealing a twig isn't enough, you have to plaster it. I don't exactly get why a twig isn't enough, but the shmarim are. Is it because shmarim, what? Uh, some of the stuff that they use for just the, the normal seal is going to be seized anyway, so... That's right, but like, it's going to be what? It's going to be teeth anyway. Sits? It's going to be whatever you call a plaster. Oh, a teeth. Teeth. Right. Teeth. Right, but I don't understand why is, why is the stopping up of the, of the gook of the grapes 
enough without plastering, but when you use a twig, you need to plaster. Is it that somehow because the grapes are seen as natural and this is something external, or is it because it just the grapes is a, you know is tighter by itself and this is not as tight? I don't know what the difference is, but anyway, you have to actually plaster it. Now let's say there were um, actually two twigs, like it was a big hole and you needed to bring two twigs to seal it up. You have to sort of plaster, you know, we, the way I would think about this is like masking tape, right? You have to plaster it on the sides to like keep it, you know, you know, you know keep it so that it doesn't, you know, get pushed out by the wine. And you have to plaster between the twigs itself. Okay? Now, so what's, how is this relevant? He says, look, time of the Marah. The only reason that works, why do you need two twigs? One twig should seal half the hole, assuming the hole is minimum size. Okay? So you see that that only works because you plastered it. Hello, Marach, lo. And if not, not. Am I? Why not? It should be like you plastered over half the hole. So who needs two twigs? And to plaster between them. Even you didn't plaster between them. You know, you, you filled up enough of the hole. So Amrino, what type of a comparison is that? If you don't plaster between the twigs, but neither of the twigs are going to stay. You need the whole thing to seal it. It's not because you need every hole to be filled. It's because to maintain the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the fix, you know, you need to plaster everything. But if you plaster half of it, that part that you've done will stay. So the fact that there you need to do the whole thing, that's just so that it's a permanent fix. But if you do a permanent fix on half the hole, that's my question. And we don't have an answer. But Tosus really says, like, what's the question? The hole isn't big enough anymore. Okay, moving on. Behold, they said, We saw that before. You stole chametz. It's worthless now. But you can say, and get off of your obligation. So, bye, Rava. So, Rava asked, Nishpalav Mahu. Oh, here's a great question. Okay? I steal, Michael left, so I'll steal it from David. I stole from David his chametz right before Pesach, worth $1,000. Now it's worthless. Um, but I, I, so if it's not around, I pay him $1,000. If it is around, I just give it to him. David comes and says, Dove, what did you do? You stole my chametz. And I said, Chas I'll take a shvua. Okay? I take a shvua, and then I, and then I admit, you know what, you're right, I stole your chametz. Okay. So, do I have to does it have all the consequences of taking a shvua on a monetary obligation where I pay a chomish? First of all, what's a chomish? A chomish of the original value, a chomish of the value now. But do I bring a korban? Why? Because what did my shvua do from him? Did my shvua steal anything from him? If I hadn't taken my shvua, I would have given him worthless chametz. So normally, my shvua effectively is stealing from somebody, preventing somebody from getting the money that's coming to them. Here, the only thing the false shvua is doing is preventing him from getting a bunch of worthless chametz. Is that a shvua on mamon that leads to all of the obligations? Is that question clear? Okay. So, what, what do we say? Look, do we say, no, maybe I am stealing money from David. Why? Because if the chametz would get stolen or lost, I'd have to pay him the thousand bucks. So So my shvua is denying a monetary claim, okay? Because it is possible that his claim against me will translate into money. You could even say it in a different way. Maybe he has a monetary claim against me to begin with, but I can get out of it by returning the chametz. That, but I think that that's not conceptually correct. Fundamentally, my obligation is to return the object that's stolen. If it's not around, then I owe you the, its value, okay? But nevertheless, even though now I'm not denying you anything of value, but because it, I might, your claim against me might translate into real money if I don't have the chametz anymore, then I am denying you a monetary claim. That's one way of saying it, Did okay? I the barrel, the what? Did I miss how the barrel Did we figure out what the barrel was having to do with anything. No. Okay. We're, we're moving on beyond the Okay. No. Right now, the chametz is still around and I can return it. The Afra Baalmahu and it's dust. It's worthless. Like, you know, you said Ka'afra Dalma. Actually, if you said Ka'afra Dalma, it wouldn't be worthless. Anyway, uh, it is pretty funny. You have the phrase Afra Dalma, which is the phrase you say by Bipul Chavit. Anyway, the low cover lay Mamona. Right now, I'm only denying you your right to worthless chametz. 
So right now I'm not stealing anything from you. Okay? So Milsa, so that was the question. That's a fascinating question. Milsa, the Baile Le Rava, this question which was Rava asked, okay, Pasha, Pintale Le Rava. To Rava the answer was obvious. The Amar Rava, because Rava said, Shori Ganafta. David comes to me and says, So, you stole my axe. Who am there? Nope, I didn't steal it. So what's it doing in your yard? <laughs> what are you talking about? I was watching it for you. Okay, so basically what happened was, uh, and then I take a Shavua that I did not steal it, that I'm only a Shomer Chinam. And I'm lying, I did steal it. Am I chayev to him? Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to not give it back to him, even according to my claim, I'm saying I'm a Shomer. So what type of a stealing was involved in my false Shavua? So Rabbi says Chayev. I am Chayev for all of the Korban and everything. Why? Because when I said I'm only a Shomer Chinam and I took a Shrua, I was actually exempting myself from a degree of liability. Because the time between our little fight and me returning it, let's say it died. Okay? If I was a Goslin, I'd have to pay you for it. A Goslin doesn't matter if it's an onus because I saw I owe you the value based on the time of stealing it. But if I'm a Shomer and it died, I would be exempt. So since my Shavua, that I'm only a Shomer, exempts me from possible liability, that is a Shavua that is getting me out of a possible monetary claim that you have against me. Right, or a possible claim you have against me. So if, because, even though now I'm not denying you any money, if it's possible that it's exempting me from some obligation, then it is a false Shavua that I would bring a Korban for. So similarly by the Chometz Pesach. Right now I'm only denying you worse this Chometz. But under certain circumstances that the Chometz isn't around, I'm denying you a thousand dollars. So in that case, it is a, so because of that possibility, for Rabba, it's a Shavuah that would have all the consequences of bringing a Korban and the so on. This isn't going to be adjudicated case by case. It doesn't matter whether the Chometz exists right. or not. If you took the false Shavuah... No, the Chometz definitely exists now, and the Ox definitely exists now, but right. because of a possible future, right. whether that future materializes or not, this Shavuah is a denying of a monetary claim. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right, because I am lying, and then through my shvu I am lying and denying you a, mo- a possible monetary claim against me, that shvu obligates me to bring the korban and to add the fifth and all of that. Okay? So, now, or I say, No, I didn't steal it, I'm only a paid guard, watch, watch person. So, I still have to pay you. Why? Say, Even in that case, I'm exempting myself from a level of liability. If I was a Gazan, I'd be chayiv even if it broke its leg or died suddenly, even if it was not something I could control. I'm sorry, if I was a Gazan, I'd be chayiv, yes, even if it was something I couldn't control. But as a Shomer Sachar, if it's an onus, I'm exempt. So because I am exempting myself from a possible liability, that shvua, you know, is, is, you know, obligates me. Is a shvua that gets me out of, 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 uh, uh, that is a type of a stealing through a shvua. Or, wait a minute, even though I say shvua on even if I claim I'm a borrower, and a borrower is liable for onus, I still, and I'm swearing falsely, I still have to do all the consequences, because even that is denying you your rights. You know, some of your monetary claims. Chayiv. Even a shoel, if something breaks in the normal course of use, is exempt. Okay, so it's an interesting halacha by a shoel. Right? If a lightning strikes my, uh, the cow that I borrowed from you, I'm chayiv. But if as I'm using the cow, you know, through normal use, it collapses and dies, I'm putter. Okay, so that's what we can have a whole discussion about that when we do it in Bab Mitzvah. But because there is some exemption that a shoel has, by claiming I'm a shoel, I get myself out of a hypothetical liability that could occur in some small number of cases. That is enough to say that I, it's a, it's a, that's a shoel that's mechaiv me a korban. Now, what I don't know, what Rabbi isn't saying is, how much money do I have to pay you? When I do a shrua to, fall, to deni- falsely deny you or claim that you have against me, so if I'm saying, like, you say I stole $100 and I say no and I'm lying, I pay you $100 plus a fifth plus a quarter. If you say, that's my cow worth $100, and I say, no, I didn't steal it, I'm only a shomer chachin, I'm a shomer sachar, and I'm lying, how much do I pay you? 
right? What, you know, do I pay you the value of that somebody be, would be willing to accept to be exempt from that degree of liability? Right? I wasn't stealing the whole hundred dollars cow from you, so I don't exactly know how much I would pay, but I would certainly have to bring a korban, and that's you know, so that's a definite consequence of this. It's not dealing with what is the monetary liability here. You had a question, though. Yes, it's interesting that the, that the Talmud keeps it totally within the litigation between people. In other words, it doesn't say, well, you took a short shot in the name of the Kabbalah. Right, party. like that. That's not a bubble comma issue. If you want to go ahead and figure out how many suing you over, we'll, we'll get to what it's about in the Yomad, go look at Masechah Shruis. But you are right, you know, that it is very funny the way the Gemaras tend to be like, you know, single out one lens on it. But you would really expect in a, you know, it's always an interesting question, which is like, what is the significance of the fact that halacha is religious law? When you're dealing with, you know, you know, benadim lechaveir areas, when you're dealing with like monetary issues, you know, is the fact that it's religious law make it somehow different? And you would expect the answer would be, well, yes, because then there's going to be a moral component to the discussion, you know, a religious question of the violation. And every now and then, you know, you have that. Like, you have that, like, you know, when the Gemara discussed about Hasidim Rishonim would put away, you know, bury or burn, you know, their glass, broken glasses so people wouldn't get injured. But that seemed to be like, oh, here's a nice thing to do. It didn't seem to be like part of the actual, you know, legal discussion as well. We would expect more discussions of moral mandates or of questions of religious violations independent of, like, monetary liability, you know. So it is fascinating the way that that's absent from here. I, I agree. I don't really have an answer to that. Yes? In the end, isn't this person admitting that he actually did steal it? Yes, and then he admits. So, right, so then, what did, doesn't he have to pay the same as if he was saying it was $100? He no, because I wasn't stealing the whole cow. I was only denying you a level of, a, a, a level of liability, mm-hmm. right? When I said I was a Shomachinam and really I was a Goslin, right. was I trying to steal the whole cow away from you? No. You did, right? No. Oh, um... Yes, but yes, but the question is, what's a shvua? Is of course I returned the cow. I, I say I'm a shomachino. I'm really a goblin. Then I admit I was lying. So of course I like I returned the cow. Okay, now I pay off a fifth because of my false shvua. Right, a fifth of what? A fifth of the value of the cow. But but the fifth is because I swore falsely, and in my swearing falsely, I was stealing something from you. Right, I was denying, but I wasn't denying you the whole cow in my uh, in my shvua. Okay, I'm just saying, nevertheless... I understand when, that I stole the whole... That's why I returned the whole cow, because I stole the whole cow. But my question is, a fifth of what? A fifth of the cow? But I, the fifth is only coming because of the shvua. I don't want to belabor the point. But, okay, but I think it is a question. Okay, so let's go on. So it says like this. Um, um, okay. Alma, uh, so you see that Rabbah holds, even though the object is there, okay, um, and therefore I'm not really, um, in that case, uh, the cow, and I'm not denying you the whole cow, since in the possibility the cow would get stolen, uh, my Shvua is denying you the right to collect, so it's not, right now my shvua is not denying you anything. Just come and pick up your cow. I'm saying I'm a shomer chinam. But since it's denying you the right to collect in a certain circumstance, that might occur. So, so hashtanami mamona kakafa, here too. So it's considered like I'm denying you that money because of that possible future. And the language of the Gemara sounds like, it sounds like I'm denying you the whole cow. And I would pay a fifth of the whole cow, going back to my question. Anyway, but that's enough that it's denying you that possible future possibility. So hashtanami, here too by the chametz. Even though right now my shvua is only denying you collecting dust, worthless chametz, even the migna by since were the chametz to be stolen, I would have to reimburse you. So mamona mamona mamona, you'd have to receive like real cash. So hashdanami mamona kafirle, my shvua is not saying, oh, the shvua did nothing. I only denied you worthless chametz. No, my shvua denied you the possibility of collecting the full thousand dollars were the chametz to be stolen. And therefore, that type of a shvua comes with it's a chomish and comes with it's a korban and the whole thing. That's at least Rabba's position. Rabba doesn't know, but that's Rabba's position. 
Okay, so Yosef Rava, so now Rava was sitting, or some have the gears of Rava, just to make things confusing. Um, the Gemara, Shama Friedman has pointed out, you know, the Gemara is very clear, there's Rava and Rava, you know, and we know the difference because of the hay and the Aleph, and then sometimes you always see these changes of Girsa'ot, because things get a little confusing. Anyway, I think Shama Friedman has pointed out that in the original manuscripts, they were not medactic in how they spelled the names. Like, it was just, you know, there was no consistency in spelling. So therefore, like, <laughs> since that's the whole way we tell the difference between who we're talking about. Okay, so Yossi Rav... There's only one Yeah. Yossi Rav come Kamala Hashemata. Rav was sitting over and telling over the discussion. Eze Rav Amalem Rav, and he was telling, he doesn't know whether this type of a Shvua is, uh, is a good Shvua, and, you know, you know, it would be Mechai of you, but Rav says it definitely would be Mechai of you. So Rav Amram asked on Rav, but really it's a question on Rav, who says that the Shvua is Mechai of you. The Kichesh, we have a, this Midrash Halacha. This is the psukim by when you swear falsely. You know, so it says, I forget the end of the pasuk. Anyway, that's the whole thing at the end of Parshas Vayikra. Okay, and it starts by saying you denied somebody, you know, something that, that you had of theirs. The kicheshba prat so you have to deny the whole object, says this Midrash Halacha, to exclude the case when you basically conceded that that object belonged to the person. Essentially, Rabba's case. Kate said, what's the case? Shuri Ganasta. You say, hey, you stole my axe. Who am I? No, I didn't steal it. So what's it doing by you? Yeah, you sold it to me. You gave it to me as a gift. Your father sold it to me. Your father gave it to me as a gift. Um, you know, it ran after my cow. It just followed my cow into my yard. Okay? Your VCR followed my VCR. I don't know what... Okay, anyway. I can't think VCR. Nobody has a VCR anymore. I think they said that they stopped now, that now, now manufacturing. Like they, they're nowhere in the world do they anymore manufacture VCR. Anyway, okay. Right after my laptop. Yeah, exactly. Your laptop ran after my laptop. But, uh, okay. Maybe it just it just came to me on its own. I just found it wandering on the way. I didn't steal it. I'm I'm a borrower. Now, in all those last cases, when he says you gave it to me as a gift, I really am trying to steal it from you, and the government is going to go back and ask about that. But all the last cases, I'm not denying that it's yours. I'm denying that I stole it, but I'm not denying that it's yours. Okay? So, are, am I, am I, and I take a shrua. And I say, I did not steal it, it just followed me here. Okay? So am I, so, am I chayv or not? So the, so the, the Midrash Halakha says, Vinish Bavahoda, I swear and then I admit, Yoho ye chayv, maybe I'm chayv. Tamad Lomar, the kichish you deny it. Prat Lomoda Be'ikar. It's a, to exclude the case when you conceded that it really is yours and you're just getting out of some liability, right? By saying that it just wandered into my yard, I'm saying if it dies suddenly, I'll be exempt. It's Rabba's case. So I'm not denying you that it's your cow, but I'm denying the level of liability that I have by claiming that I'm not a goslin. And this writer says, you don't have to pay. That contradicts Rabba. Rabba said, you do have to pay and you do bring a korban. I'm away, Tadura. He said to him, like, this is nonsense, or I don't know how they translate that. Scatterbrain. Oh, that's a nice translation. <laughs> Scatterbrain. Okay. Chitanya, I know, it's so funny that you, they, they have these, like, harsh comments sometimes on really good questions, even if you're able to come up with an answer. It is a good question. Anyway, Chitanya, he, what's that bright to talking about? The Kamerle Halech. No, 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 no. That bright to is. You know, David comes to me and says, Hey, what's my cow doing in here? You stole my cow. And I said, Hey, I just wandered here. So, and I say, I'll swear to you I didn't steal it. Okay, take it back and I'll swear to you I didn't steal it. Ah, I said, take it back. If at the moment I am sort of saying, or even if I don't hand it to you, I say, I swear that I did not steal it and you can come take it anytime. It's right here. Just take it from me. And I'm swearing to you I did not steal it. So if, if you are able to pick it up at this moment, Right? I am not denying you anything. Meaning it's not even, I'm not even getting out of a liability of it might drop dead. You know, there's nothing I'm getting out of because I'm basically in this moment, I'm returning it to you. Okay, so in this case, there's nothing I'm getting out of through my oath. Okay, I say, just take it. Okay, in that case, my oath isn't getting me out of anything. Um, 
Kikamina, uh, when am I talking about, now this makes sense that it's Rabba talking, when am I talking about that I say your oath is Mechaev you because you're getting out of liability, even though you're admitting that it's his, the Kaima Ba'agam. It's somewhere in the swamp. So, but, but, so it's going to take a day for us to go find it and pick it up. So in that day that it's going to take us to go get it, my oath is exempting me from liability for that day. Okay, so the face of it is the bright that really does contradict Rabbah. And it seems like when you can see the basic point, you're exempt. But Rabbah says, no, if you're getting out of a liability, you're chayev to bring a korban in the whole thing. And the bright is a special case when you returned it at the moment. All right, so now the Gemara says, like, says, fine. So now we've reconciled. Now we have to go back to the first part of the Brighta, which sounded like that a case of conceding it was when I said, you sold it to me or your father sold it to me. How is that conceding that the principle belongs to the person? You're saying, I, I bought it. Okay, so let's take a look. my If I say you sold it to me, how am I conceding that it's yours, that the principle is yours? No, what I'm saying to you is, you sold it to me, but I haven't paid you for it. What, you want it back? Take it back. I haven't paid you for it anyway. Okay, so then I'm conceding it's yours because I'm saying that it's not fully mine yet, that I haven't paid you for it. Take it and, you know, take it and go. Fine. You gave it to me. Your father gave it to me. How is that a conceding of the principle? Give means give as a gift. So if I'm saying I got it as a gift, how am I conceiving that it's yours? So as I say to you, you gave it to me as a gift because you were expecting me, you wanted me to do some favor for you. So you know what? I didn't do the favor. Go take it back. Now, of course, that's an interesting point because, you know, again, it's like, you know, it, 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 there might not actually be a legal claim you have against me. It's not like I'm selling it to you on the condition. I mean, is it like a real tonight that you have? for the gift or is it like anyway but even if I'm just sort of saying like I don't want you to have any claim against me you want, we're expecting me to do your favor just take it back so since I'm saying take it back I'm even in my shrua even if I'm taking a shrua that I'm lying about the circumstances I'm not trying to keep it to myself okay so we have a circumstance where I'm conceding that it's yours I'm telling you go ahead take it back it's there it's waiting for you but I'm not uh, but I'm denying that I'm a goblin and I'm lying yeah so I thought that with with we do sort of assume that often that that's what motivates people. Right, but, here you have it. but here it's a little bit more explicit or expected, mm-hmm. and it's also a question of is it reciprocity or is it in, in you know in, in expectation, yes. right? Is it because you did something in the past or if I'm expecting something in the future? What difference does it make if he's motivated if he's lying anyway? Because the lie, you, you don't bring a korban for a false shrua. You bring a korban for making a shrua that's stealing something from somebody. So, and that's the whole question. Are you stealing? Well, let's just try to get a little bit further. It says like this. Um, so if I say, oh, no, 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 I didn't steal. It was just, I just found it wandering. So why didn't you say, no, the fact that you found it wandering and you knew it was mine and you took it home, you're conceding you stole it. Whatever, that's a goblin, you know, rather than giving it to you, I took it for myself. So I'm not no. I'm not I didn't realize it was yours. Now you're telling me it's your cow. Oh, now I know who it is. Take it back. Fine. You know it wasn't his. <laughs> right. I wasn't trying to keep it. I didn't know who it was. You. I kept it at home. That's a classic case. Right. Exactly. You have to feed it until you figure out who it was. Exactly. Tanya. Okay. Let's just do this one last case. Amar ben there are three types of oaths. You come and you say to me that um, uh, that uh, I uh, um, you know I stole your cow, and I say you know no, I didn't steal it. Uh, actually, it was uh, or hold on, well, let me just get this let me, let me just get this straight. Hold on one minute. Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You didn't say you steal it. You said um, you said to me, Dove. I have you like you know seen my my lost object? I lost my cow. Have you seen it? Now, actually, what I actually did was like I actually did see it and I took it for myself. Okay, and then I'm going to swear to you, no, I didn't see it, and I'm lying. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, oh, actually, no, I'm sorry, I missed up the case. One more time, <laughs> because we're moving to a case from a false shrua to you know what. I'm going to end here because it's going to take me too long and we have two minutes left.
So we, we never find out about the barrel. Okay, but we're going to end here. We're going to pick up with the shavuos about lost objects tomorrow. I would just like to note that apparently after all.